Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Buffalo Beat. And this one probably finds you in a lot better spirits than the last time we did a post-game edition of Bills versus Patriots. The Bills going to Gillette Stadium and winning 33-21, to defeating the New England Patriots, taking or reclaiming the, uh, the AFC East lead, and now in the driver's seat completely to win the division, and to get at least one home playoff game if they are able to win their final two games against the Atlanta Falcons and New York Jets. So, nothing really happened today. Um, <laughs> my name's Joe Biscali, everyone. Welcome into another episode of the Buffalo Beat. With me, as always, is Matt Beauvais, who breaks down the, uh, the games after the fact with me on Sundays, or whenever the heck the Bills end up playing, and uh, we get to go over... All of the big picture stuff, all of the stuff that made the game the way that it was. Um, so it was a it was a real humdinger, and and one of those games that um, you look at and you can you can analyze all of the other little bits and pieces of it. But when it came down to it, Matt, for me, the the thing that stood out and is the most obvious, the most glaring thing, the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills played. <laughs> at a ridiculous level today. And like I get I get in the minutia of everything and and try and break down all these small little things, but when you have a quarterback that was feeling it as much as he was, you know, only missing on a handful of pa- passes, really only almost getting picked off once, but throwing for over 300 yards, converting on multiple third down attempts, um converting on three of their four fourth down chances, getting uh points on six out of their eight legitimate drives. I mean, it was just an incredible performance against a great defense. And once again, just like how it was the last time that we left them after the Panthers game and, you know, in the second half of the game, the word that I keep coming back to, the offense felt inevitable again, just like they did in 2020. And it makes you think that they figured stuff out and that they know who they are, what they want to do, and going from going forward from there. So, Matt Beauvais, what did you think of, of Josh Allen first and foremost? And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know where else to start, but but that guy because he was just magnificent in this game. He was okay. <laughs> pretty, pretty good. No, I think that I just had this conversation. I was talking to somebody, and I said that if Josh Allen plays the way he did earlier this afternoon against the New England Patriots, there is not a team in the NFL that the Buffalo Bills can't beat. Now, that doesn't mean they're always going to beat those teams, and it's a little unrealistic to think Josh Allen is going to play like this every day. But when this guy is on, he is, he's you could argue, the best quarterback in the NFL. 
realistically, there's probably two or three guys who maybe are better than him, but he is right at the top of the list. The Bills have an elite quarterback who can keep them in every game that they play, and he put that on display today. The Bills did not punt today. That's something I'm sure we're going to talk about at some point against a Patriots defense that is rated at the top of the NFL in a lot of categories. This is coming off of a week when he also lit up the Carolina Panthers, a defense that's very good. Josh Allen, since the second half of the Tampa Bay Bucks game, is playing at an unbelievable MVP level. He was a Pro Bowl snub. He should be in the Pro Bowl. Nobody really cares about that stuff. But still, this guy is playing out of his mind right now. He's the best player on the field pretty much every time he steps onto the field. And that was evident again today. The Patriots had no answers for him. And... One of the other things we're going to talk about is how well Isaiah McKenzie played, and rightfully so. Like, what a great game for him. What a great way of bouncing back. He deserves all of the praise that he's going to get. But on a lot of those catches that Isaiah McKenzie made, they were absolutely perfect throws from Josh Allen. The one that stands out the most to me is probably on the third and 10, and I believe it was in the fourth quarter, and the Bills needed to convert. It was actually right after the play where J.C. Jackson should have probably had a pick, and it looks like the Patriots had the momentum. They were only down five. If the Bills didn't convert, they were going to have to punt, and the Patriots would have a chance to go and take the lead, and Josh threw just this perfect pass to Isaiah McKenzie, who was crossing over the middle of the field. There was really no way to defend it because it was perfectly placed, and he did that on a lot of separate occasions today. He was he was damn good. Yeah, he really was. And I, the, the, I don't want to give the Pro Bowl a single second on this podcast because the Pro Bowl is stupid, and I've always thought that. Um, regardless, Josh Allen is, like, like you pointed out, at, since – they went to halftime in Tampa. Something clicked for him and the passing offense. They and Brian Dable to another degree. Like they have figured things out. And this is now three straight teams that have boasted probably damn near top 10 defenses. And Panthers are the only one that's probably not in the top 10. But like the Buccaneers and the Patriots are both in there. The, the Panthers, they're a bit of a mess these days but um still that said they they have some good pieces that the bills had to contend with in that game and over their last 10 quarters the bills have scored 88 points they have punted the, they have punted the ball only seven times over the last 10 quarters and you know obviously this game kind of skews that a bit because they punted it zero times but I mean, they only punted it twice uh, against Tampa Bay down the stretch of that game. Um, and then, of course, they, I think they punted five times against Carolina. Regardless, like, this is this is an offense that is feeling it. And I, I think I should go bigger picture just because that's probably what's on people's minds more than anything do it joe do it we'll get to isaiah mckenzie we'll get we'll get to all of the different things that they did defensively which you know i noticed something during the game that was pretty damn smart by the bills and and how they defended uh the patriots and i wanted to get into that as well but um what this means big picture i think is where fans should ultimately land like it probably feels good that they that they went to new england and they beat the patriots especially after the way that it was talked about after the patriots beat the bills i mean that at a very surface level sort of thing is is good for a lot of bills fans and it's got a lot of people feeling good tonight but i think 
more than anything, what they should feel great about is this game, even though it wasn't a one-score game, it was basically the closest thing that they had to it. And it was, to yeah. me, it was, to me, a declaration that this team has returned to the form that they should be playing at and that we expected from them all along. So when you have them going along the the pace that they are, like when they are at their greatest, it is when the offense is playing that way and the quarterback is playing that way and Brian Dable is calling up, calling plays and doing a lot of pre-snap motion and and really just staying a step ahead of, of the defense. He was doing that all day. There were some errors along the way like you know there was a there was a weird pitch play just like there always is that really went for negative yardage but other than that uh pretty seamless play calling day by by Brian Brian, Brian Dable and the concepts that he was utilizing um really uh forced the Patriots to um uh, it, it was it was just well done all, all game long by him and so you have that component working as well as it has the entire season, and it's it's really weird. I I'm I'm now very glad that when we recorded the post game show from the Buccaneers game, that we let off the way that we did because it almost yeah. fe- it almost feels like that was the awakening. And it's so stupid because sometimes there's just cliche things that that happen. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's always like, oh, roll your eyes. This is like, you know, they needed that loss, that, that sort of thing. But that's, I don't know that they necessarily needed that loss. I think they needed to wake up and they woke up in, from that second half. It didn't go their way, but you could almost kind of feel the weight lifting from the bills, even though they lost that game, the way that they were talking, the way that they were communicating with people. Um, the way that you know it, that they were preparing for a weekend, they weren't getting too mud, muddled down by all of the minutia that that was happening. They kept things relatively simple against the Panthers. It worked great to a game plan perspective. Their defense was awesome, and they're just firing. And so now they have this offense that is playing as well as it is, and they have this defense who can really limit some of the best passing offenses in the league. And we've seen that from them this season. So you have these two elements combined right now. So when you look at what this team can do, I mean the one it it's funny, like I remember even in that that Buccaneers post game, I I brought up my conversation with Greg Allman who uh, covers the Buccaneers and I I think you remember this. The one the one question that I asked him was how did the Buccaneers get hot? Yep. Like what what was, what led to it? And he's like they played one really good playoff team and they had three really basically crap teams uh of, over the final four games of their schedule. And then I looked it in, into it even a bit further and the parallels between last year's Buccaneers team and the way they ended their season and this year's Bills team and the way that it seems like it's trending towards ending kind of weird because the uh-huh. the the Buccaneers the the game before they went on their four game win streak to end the year they lost to the defending Super Bowl champions by one score the game before that they also lost by one score to an NFC opponent it was their only two game losing streak of the entire season oh and wow the, and then yeah and then the final four games they went up against the Vikings the Falcons the Lions and the Falcons and they had a combined winning percentage at the time of playing. I don't have my notebook in front of me. It was around oh yeah, thirty. 
36.5% of a winning percentage. The Bills' final four opponents at the time that they'll play them has a winning percentage of around 43%. So there's all these different little layers that it's kind of interesting. Now, I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and say the Bills are going to go through and win the Super Bowl anything like that because um, that would be assuming a lot down the stretch. But it was the catalyst to the Buccaneers getting pretty hot down the stretch. And I don't know. It if the offense is playing this way, then mm-hmm. anything should be on the table. So that's why the big picture is coming into view here more than anything because so, when they're doing that they are an elite team so you're not going to say that the bills are going to win the super bowl but i am going to say that i feel like today is once again proof that the bills can win the super yeah, bowl. yeah absolutely can and can and will are very different things but we have done this podcast ever after every single game and there have been three times when I have really thought, like, okay, we saw something with this team, and I think they're legit. After the Kansas City game, I think I probably came on the podcast and said they might be the best team in the NFL. And they still had flaws, and now looking back, they got Kansas City at the perfect time. And if these two teams played again, Kansas City would probably win and would be the favorite. But the Bills can beat them, and we know now the Bills can beat them. Then they had all of the ups and downs that went through the season, And then we got to the Tampa podcast. And after the Tampa game, we said the exact same thing. Like you just mentioned, if the Bills can get hot at the right time, and if we can see this kind of offense more consistently than we had throughout the last two months of the season, this team can do damage. We basically knew at that point, like, listen, you got to beat Carolina, and then it's all going to come down to this New England game. And the Bills got a favor from the Colts because they beat New England, and that put them in the position that they're in. And still... The Bills have two more games. They've got to win these last two games. They're both at home, and like we've said several times, if they don't win these games, then they don't deserve to be in the conversation for the best teams in the NFL. But if they do, it certainly feels like they're getting hot at the right time. And if they do win these last two games, they're going to play at least one playoff game in Buffalo. And at that point, if they win that game, if it's in the wild card round and it's not like it'd be easy because the wild card teams right now, there's no easy out in the AFC, regardless of where you finish, whether you're two, three, four, whatever it is, there's really no easy out. But if you can win a game in the wild card round, all of a sudden you're sitting there in the divisional round. Like, like I said earlier, the way Josh Allen played tonight, they can beat anybody. We're not talking about having to do this for this long extended portion of the season. If you get hot at the right time, anything can happen. And it almost feels like the Bills are getting hot at the right time. Now I say that, and we still need to see what happens. Because it would be like so Bills to win this game and then go struggle against the Falcons or do Mm -hmm. something stupid. But the way they played today looks like a really good team Mm -hmm. on both sides of the ball. It was not a perfect day from the defense. Damian Harris is still the kryptonite of this team, it feels like. They still have some issues on that side of the ball. But offensively... I mean, you got to remember, too, they did this without some of their starting offensive linemen. They also did this without two of their top four wide receivers, one of which makes a bigger impact than the other. And they did it against a really good defense. Like, it feels like the offense is hitting its stride. In the defense, we saw them get pretty good in the playoffs last year, the way that they shut down the Ravens in the game against Lamar and the way they were able to contain him, and they did some different things. So... Yeah, I think that once again, 
the conversation goes to the Bills can win a Super Bowl. That does not mean they will, but it means they can. And that's a heck of a lot better place to be than they were three, four, five weeks ago when we were talking about if this team would even make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this win in itself, it was in no way fluky. The, the Bills won it from coast to coast. I mean, the way that they came out and and uh, were able to stymie the Patriots' offense just enough. The way that the offense just couldn't help but move down the field basically every time that they got the ball. There, there were only three times that they did not score when they had possession. The first was because of an Emmanuel Sanders drop in the end zone on a fourth and one from the goal line. The second was at the end of the first half when they took a penalty and they only got a, had a one minute to go and they decided to run it out and not take any chances. And then the other time was when they kneeled the ball out at, at the end of the game with two plays. So the other six possessions, it was either a touchdown or a field goal. The Patriots and one of the best defenses in the NFL couldn't do a damn thing to Josh Allen and company in this one, <laughs> which, is, which is why it – it has naturally you thinking what this team can do because New England is kind of representative of basically the entire clump of the AFC playoff picture, probably yep. save Kansas City. Kansas City mm-hmm. is is a different animal right now. They are a beast. And yeah, honestly, I, I think that they are playing better than anyone in the NFL right now. And uh-huh. you know, all season we do these, uh, we do the NFL power rankings over at the Athletic, and I I have to submit my my pick anonymously every single time. And all year, my number one spot has been Tampa Bay until last week because Kansas City is so ridiculously legit and everything they do now. Tyron Matthew has an injury. Clyde Edwards-Elair has an injury, so we'll have to see what what they do from there. But they did what they did to Pittsburgh today without Travis Kelsey. And Tyreek Hill only had two catches for 19 yards. Like, that is a team that people should be taking very seriously about whether or not they can make it back to the Super Bowl again and win another one. So that's a, that, that's a big one. That is not the same Chiefs team that the Bills beat in Week 5, nor is nor are the Bills the same team that lost to the Titans in Week 6 or the same team that lost to the Patriots in, what is it, Week 14. Um, so you have all of these different elements. Uh, I think they can go through, like, New England. Is New England necessarily that many steps ahead of, or that many steps below Tennessee, Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Baltimore, the Chargers? Like, Vegas, Pittsburgh, Miami, Cleveland, Denver, they all stink. Like, the Bills should beat them, no doubt about it. The the ones that you should be concerned with are the Titans, well, obviously the Chiefs. The Chiefs, Titans, Bengals, Colts, Patriots, Ravens, and Chargers. And yes. the Patriots are basically on the same level with all of those teams, like I said, except for the Chiefs. Are we going right into this? Are we going right no, to play? Because I'm, like, I'm ready. I'm ready, if you are. No, not like breakdown matchups and stuff like that, because I yeah. still think we're a bit premature to that. Yes, because, I agree. Because the Falcons... 
The Falcons are weird. Like, the Falcons suck, but they're somehow 7-8. and eight. And Yeah, I, I, I do not think... Did you see the line, the pre-line that came no, out on the no, game? No, Guess Guess what it is? Uh, Bills 6.5. Not even close. Really? Yeah. That's... I mean, that's... It's wild. Is it 11? So guessing 12? More. Really? Yeah, the, the Falcons are that bad. The Bills are 14-point favorites against yeah, the, the Falcons. The, Fa- the Falcons are really bad. Um, yeah, but, I mean, they're 7-8. and eight. They barely beat the Panthers and the Lions. I know, but still, like, I mean... All 7-8s and I, eights are not equal. No, I agree. I, I understand that. And I they yeah. just, like you said, they just snuck out a win. But, I, I, I don't would know. Like to, would you like to know who the Falcons beat this year? Don't look. I, it's not, Don't look it up. It's not. It's not the Falcons. It's the Bills. I still don't know. And this is going to sound so ridiculous because I said like three minutes ago the Bills can win the Super Bowl. I just am not a hundred percent confident yet that they will take care of business. And even though they've done it more times than not, I think the Jags game has like scarred my perception of the team more than it probably should. Like, it was a stinker, it was one game, and if they go on a run in the playoffs, nobody will ever talk about the game again. But I remember having the conversation with you, like, in the press box before the game started, because we didn't know if Josh Allen was going to play, and we didn't know kind of the whole quarterback situation, and I think at one point, maybe Davis Webb was involved, maybe he was active in that game for something, and I think I asked you, like, could the Bills beat the Jags with Davis Webb? We kind of had the conversation like yeah they could and then they lost with Josh Allen so I understand that the Bills are a much much better team than the Falcons and then the Jets I still don't yes Bovey can you name who the Falcons have beat this year who the Falcons have beat well I'm assuming they've beat you mentioned Carolina you've also mentioned Detroit because they beat Detroit today so that's two of seven I am going to guess they've probably beat the Saints. Just yes, the, the, the Trevor Simeon-led Saints. And they beat okay. them by two points. Um, I remember vaguely they beat the Giants at some they, point. I watched they beat the, the Giants by three points. So then, okay, they, the Bills, AFC East, they, the Jets? They beat the Jets by seven points in the, London. Dolphins? The Dolphins, they beat them by two points. It was two his first game back. And there's one okay, other so one. Okay, that's, so that's six of the seven. Um, Have they beat, like, the Panthers twice? No. The Tricky Jags. Oh, God. Okay, yeah. All so right, those, Lions, are all really, those are all really bad wins. That's what I'm saying. They're seven and eight, <laughs> but they're pretty, terrible. That is pretty – that's pretty wild. The, uh, maybe the I'm other, giving that – I'm giving ahead, them sorry. too much credit. I'm the giving other, them too much credit. Their other games, they lost by 26 to the Eagles. They lost by 23 to the Buccaneers. They lost by four to Washington when Washington, before they went on their run. They lost by six at home to the Panthers. They lost by 40 to the Cowboys. They lost by 25 to the Patriots where they got shut out. They lost again okay. to the Buccaneers by 13. And then most recently, they lost by 18 to the 49ers. And not for anything, it's a dome team with Matt Ryan as the quarterback coming to Buffalo in January. Yep. That, so, okay. Like, like, that's why the that line just, is, that justi- is what it is. That, just, that justifies the 14-point line. Also, as we've seen so many times this year, 
the Bills don't really like just win games. They either dominate a team and win by a bajillion or they lose. So that also justifies the 14 point spread. It still seems like a lot to me, but whatever. I do feel like this this Patriots game is going to get typecast in the same way. But I feel like it was more it was closer to a one score game than than any of the other ones that they've that they've gone through. Well, so. think about it. We we already talked about how great Josh Allen was. He was like AFC Offensive Player of the Week, probably unless it's T Higgins. But like Josh Allen was unbelievable today. Mm-hmm. But J C Jackson drops an interception, and all of a sudden he makes that play. One, if he makes the catch, he probably returns it. Two, if he doesn't, he gets tackled. And just like that, the Patriots have it at like the Bills 30 down five in the fourth quarter with a chance to go take the lead. So this game was close. Give the Bills all the credit, though. They were able to march down the field even after that flub up of a play, put points on the board, and basically put the Patriots away, which is a big step for them because that is not something we've seen them do really at all this year. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yes. So there's, I I think the, all in all, the, the Bills and, and their fans should be feeling good about this one. But even though they're favored by, what, 14 over the Falcons, uh-huh. uh, w- work yet to do. But it's at home. The next two are at home. They should they should hold serve for this one. All right, so let's let's go back into Minutiaville. Um and I think one of we'll, we'll stay on the offensive side of things because you know we haven't really gotten to how the passing offense looked, uh how like how efficient they were um yeah, by leaps and bounds. I mean, Stefan Diggs and Isaiah McKenzie led the way. Uh, Dawson Knox mixed in for a touchdown late and a couple a couple of catches. I think um, Emmanuel Sanders was basically a no show until a, a third a third down catch in the second half, which was pretty big on a third and ten. Um, uh-huh. But you look at McKenzie, which is where I want to start. Yeah, and he has been just waiting for this sort of opportunity. And the the thing that came to my mind more than anything, not you know the McKenzie's performance was great, and he and he caught four passes on a, that converted either a third or a fourth down uh, for the Bills in this game, four of his eleven. But the thing that kept coming to my mind is a conversation that you and I have had so frequently about Cole Beasley, and it's it you can kind of push this around to maybe the Bills' sort of philosophy. And I don't want to get 
too super critical because this was just a humongous victory for them. But when you see the production of a guy like Isaiah McKenzie, who provides this speed element to his game that Beasley just doesn't have anymore. Beasley is not winning in man-to-man coverage anymore. And when the Bills were burning the Patriots on those third downs and Allen was breaking contain and getting out and and you know holding on to the ball and allowing McKenzie to, to find some open space, it was in man-to-man coverage uh, uh, quite a few times. Beasley's not not getting open on those opportunities, not nearly as much as McKenzie did, who is you know six year, full years younger than him. So Beasley... And we're going to clump Emmanuel Sanders into this too because Sanders was two for 20. He hasn't had a um, a game over 65 yards in his last eight games. Uh, 65 was his high. Um, on seven of those eight games, he hasn't cracked 30 yards, I believe. And his average right now of the last eight games is 2.6 catches or 2.2 catches for 26.6 yards. So you have another guy who seemed to have peaked early, and he's up there in age. And it brings me back to John Brown. Because last year, we all saw it unfolding in front of our eyes. John Brown was a great asset to the Bills offense in 2019. One of the reasons that Josh Allen helped uh, that helped Josh Allen get to the playoffs in the first place. But in 2020, wasn't the same dude. Cole Beasley, 2018, 2019, or I'm sorry, 2019, 2020, great asset for the Bills. 2021, not the same dude anymore. He's good against zone, but he just does he's lost a step. Emmanuel Sanders, really good at the first part of it. The the last eight games, nowhere to be found. And when the Bills have been at their best, it is when Ben, when Stefan Diggs has been out there. And he's had one of Gabriel Davis or Isaiah McKenzie out there with him, which just kind of goes to show, like, from a personnel standpoint, like, yes, the Bills want to stick with the guys that uh, that are veterans, that are big in the room and everything like that. But at some point, you need to, to look at production and you need to look at the film and see what what is happening on, on a lot of these routes and see how much of a different element that these younger, fresher leg guys can provide to you, especially with how they've produced in the last few games. And you have to sit there and go, okay, why are you devoting 80 plus percent of snaps to Sanders when you have Davis on the bench? Why are you giving 65 to 70 plus snaps to Beasley when you have McKenzie on the bench? It just doesn't make sense. So I think for the Bills, and I'm sorry, being long-winded here, the Bills, the Bills, I think, need to cut into both of those players' reps. Not, you know, eradicate them from the offense completely. But McKenzie and Davis have done enough in huge spots here over the last three weeks to be a legitimate piece of the offense moving forward. And I, you know, I don't know if they continue to march out digs with Beasley and Sanders how effective this team can be if they are getting the lion's share of reps at all times. Because not only does that affect Josh Allen because of the targets, but it also affects Stefan Diggs. Because if teams aren't as concerned with Sanders and Beasley, 
you know, and much respect to their careers because they have been good for a long time. But if they're not as concerned with those guys any longer, that's putting more focus on Stefan Diggs. And a lot of people are wondering why Stefan Diggs hasn't been as amazing this year as he was last year, even though his numbers are still really good. A lot of it has to do with the guys around him. And I think that that could definitely help open things up for Stefan Diggs moving forward, too. And I think that goes back to the conversation that we had earlier about the potential of this team, because as good as the offense has been the last 10 quarters of football they've played, they also could still just be scratching the surface. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but think about what we saw today with uh, with Gabriel Davis and Cole Beasley both out of the lineup. If it was Gabriel Davis lining up opposite of Stefan Diggs with mm-hmm. McKenzie in the slot and Dawson Knox, you're talking about some really big mismatches, whether you're going against man coverage or you're going against zone coverage. And that gives the Bills a lot of different options. And when you have those guys on the field, you have to pay so much attention to them that that also opens up the run game a little bit. So it really does help kind of everything. And I don't know if you remember this, but I said earlier in the year on one of these episodes that when we were talking about how Isaiah McKenzie wasn't involved, I said maybe it's the ultimate slow play and they're just waiting for him to get involved later in the season so they don't show anything that they you know ultimately have planned for him. And I, I do not... <laughs> I do not think by any stretch that that is what's happening right now. I that that was a joke when I said that, but it almost feels like it's kind of working out that way. Like they knew they needed to win this game, so they were going to be as creative as possible with the playbook and they were going to make sure, especially with Davis and Beasley sidelined, that Isaiah McKenzie played a role in this offense. And now, after everything that he did today, they know they can trust him at least on offense now. And moving forward, other teams are going to be like, crap, we need to have a game plan for number 19 because he is a mismatch based purely on speed. They tried to cover him today in man, and he was just running all over the place. He was doing well against zone as well. I mean, his touchdown touchdown, he found a a weak spot in the back of the end zone. Yeah, that was a really nice play. And credit to an extent to the offensive line because it looked like Allen did have a lot of time today to kind of let those play to let those plays develop so it really goes to show like when everything is when everybody is doing their part and I know it is such a cliche the whole 111th and like everybody's got to do what they've got to do but with this offense in particular not everybody needs to be playing great but when they are all playing pretty good this is still a really dangerous offense and that was on display today because they were playing with a pretty beat-up group that stepped up against a really good defense. And I agree. I mean, we've said it so many times on the podcast. Like you said, Cole Beasley has lost a step. People keep asking us, what, why is Cole Beasley not getting the snaps? Why aren't they looking to him? Because he doesn't have the separation. He doesn't have the speed. He doesn't have the shiftiness that he had last year. You saw how quick it hit John Brown. It's the perfect example. John Brown was a very good wide receiver in the NFL two years ago. Last year, he lost a step, and now he can't even sign on a team's practice squad. I think he's like available right now. Like I'm not sure he wants kinda... to sign on a practice squad. I think that's that's probably part of it. But, I mean, he couldn't because the, the Raiders wanted to give Zay Jones reps over John yeah. Brown. He asked to be released. And so that should tell you exactly what you need to know about where John Brown is at this point in his career that the Raiders preferred Zay Jones over him based on what, of course, yeah. Bills fans know about Zay Jones at this point. So I just think that 
the offense might be scratching the surface of how good they can be because of what we saw today and the caliber of opponents they were going against. And I think moving forward, you know, it doesn't look like we're going to see this next week just because Gabriel Davis is going to be sidelined for another game. But if they ultimately get to the playoffs, which is where we think they're going, no matter who they go up against, they can have success. If they go with a group, mostly Stefan Diggs, Gabriel Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, and Dawson Knox. And sure, mix in Cole Beasley because he can still make some plays. He just doesn't need to be on the field nearly as much as he has been in some of the games they've played this year because really the games where he's been kind of irrelevant far outweigh the games where he's been a big difference maker. They're not going to do that. And and I I, I know I, I just pitched the case for like five minutes here, but I... The way that this team operated last year, they I think trust Cole a I lot. think I think they are going to be um, loyal to the role that those guys have played in the past. So I think I think there's a chance Davis cracks into what Sanders is doing, but my guess is that Beasley will remain a big piece of the puzzle. I don't. I'm not even saying like take them out completely. I'm not saying like, um, you know, have McKenzie out snap Cole Beasley. I'm saying give McKenzie more. Um, and maybe between the slot snaps have, you know, maybe 65% going to Cole Beasley and 35% to Isaiah McKenzie, just like just enough to get him, get him into the puzzle a bit. And so that, that way, if he's starts to get hot, then you keep him in the in the lineup, and you kind of move on from there and, and ride the hot hand the way that they always do. I think the more legitimate one that that could happen is Davis taking over the majority of snaps at the boundary spot for Emmanuel Sanders, just because it the the struggle bus is very much here for Emmanuel Sanders. Like since that. Kansas City game? It might be Tennessee. I think since the Tennessee game, he has just been nowhere to be found. After that Tennessee game, he did not catch a pass. Um, and I think I think the game immediately after that, he went four for 65. And since then, it's been like receiving yards in the 20s, three receptions or less. Uh, he's just He just hasn't been a factor. And that's... That's something that they really need to look into. And, you know, Davis, it's they're not going to have him this coming week, but even if they're not, he needs to be a big piece of the puzzle moving forward. All right, you, you brought up the offensive line, and that's that's a good spot. And I wanted to mention them briefly before we moved on to, you know, the defense and the job that they did because they got kind of got overshadowed uh, by what the offense did today because they were so potent. Um but quickly, the offensive line, you know, Deion Dawkins coming back from being on the COVID list the day before, major props to him, and then playing 75% of the snaps after Ike Becker went down with a ruptured Achilles. Like, that, that is a huge effort from him. And it's interesting. Like, Dawkins came back in, and it was kind of seamless, um, and it kind of put the offensive line back into the shape that maybe – that they wanted it to be because Brown went back to right tackle. Williams went to right guard. Dawkins went to left tackle. Ryan Bates went to left guard. Um, and I'll 
I'm waiting to see exactly what he did in the game, but it seemed like he did pretty well. Um, so all of these different things, and you have Josh Allen getting the most time to throw on average this season in a single game in that one. He averaged 3.1 seconds per drop back. So that's a great job. And there were some pressures allowed, like Daryl Williams allowed four pressures, I think it was, according to Pro Football Focus. Um, and, you know, there, there, were, there were some isolated incidents, but that's, that's the word. They were isolated to where the rest of the, the rest of the offensive line didn't go to complete hell. And Allen was able to sit back there, take his time. You know, the, the Patriots, they don't really uh, invest in, you know, pin your ears back and go get them type of defensive ends. They're more into the contain mold uh, for their defensive ends. But there was no one getting home. And even when they did, you know, it was only one guy and, and Allen was kind of able to, to do his business back there. So, yeah, shout out to the offensive line because they did a really great job in this one. It's been inconsistent for them this year. It's been a struggle at times. But uh, it seemed like in this game they, they really found a piece that worked against a really good defensive line. And, you know, that, 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 that's a nice job by the Bills for, for them to come together the way that they did. It sounds like we don't got to watch the tape on the offensive line and their no, performance. No, we do. We do. Uh, I was thinking that we got a week off of that. Yeah, I, I think they were great. <laughs> and like you said, kudos to Dan Dawkins because when we were sitting there in the press box before the game, it was something that, you know, as you always do, you spotted that he was practicing with some of the practice squad guys, which is a little different than we normally see. And then the inactives came out at 1130 and it was like, oh, Deion Dawkins is active. And maybe I was wrong and basically just assuming like, oh, he's active. He's probably going to play if he's active. And then once pregame warmup started around like 1215, we saw it was Spencer Brown on the left side and it was Darrell Williams on the right side. And I don't think they had any intention on changing that until, you know, the ruptured Achilles for Mike Butker and then they just kind of had to do what they had to do, and Dawkins got thrown into it, and I think he did a pretty commendable job. And, you know, considering what he was able to do in this game, another couple days where maybe they can take it easy on him and they can take it easy on some of the other players who are dealing with whatever, I think that just ultimately means that you should hopefully be getting them, you know, in full form for potentially a playoff run, which is ultimately mm -hmm. what you're trying to do. You want to be as healthy as possible in the playoffs. And, you know, like with Dawkins, it's COVID is so much more than football, especially with what he was dealing with earlier in the season when he was in the hospital and everything. Like, obviously, this is a very real thing, but this is still going to be something that impacts teams for the remainder of the season and for the playoffs. And the fact that, you know, he just had COVID, maybe, you know, that bodes well for them moving forward that they don't have to worry about being without their left tackle at least for a covid related thing but who knows because it's changing these rules are changing basically every single day with covid protocols in the league so now the bills are in a spot where their starting left tackle and right tackle have had uh have been on the covid list within the past month so yeah i mean it's it's a weird thing but like there's because the disease is awful and Obviously, it is a humongous issue, but like people are, uh, you know, when when people are going on the COVID list right now, there's there's like 
in a weird, sadistic way, there's value to them going on the COVID list now. It's because that, that means they're going to be available in the playoffs. And I, I don't even like that. That feels dirty to even think about. But like it's it's a thing that I'm sure are is is being talked about it, it, across the league. And so now the Bills are likely going to have both their starting left tackle and right tackle for the duration. Same thing with Gabriel Davis and, and Cole Beasley. But, you know, you never know with this with this virus because Deion Dawkins had it in August or July or whatever, and, and he, it came back in December. So, you know, nothing is, is a guarantee. So, yeah, but by, by, you know, by any stretch, great job by the offensive line to really get through this game the way that they did against a good defensive line and to come out ahead the way that they did. All right, quickly before we hit the awards segment, the defense was outstanding in this game. And the one spot that I really wanted to point to was that was a huge issue the last time the Bills and Patriots played. Like, the last time they played, the whole thing about it was that the Patriots just ran it, ran it, ran it, and they did all these things. They ran the highest amount of six offensive linemen formations since, you know, the 70s or 60s. I don't even remember the stat. But it, it's been a long time since since uh, someone has run that much six offensive line stuff against an opponent. And so the Bills, they devised a game plan for it. Now, you know, just, just to take a trip down memory lane, the last time the Bills played the Patriots, when the Patriots brought on the sixth offensive lineman, which is Michael Unwenu, and brought him on with a tight end and a fullback. What they ended up doing was they subbed in Tyrell Dodson, they subbed out Taron Johnson, and that turned out to be a pretty big weakness because Dodson is a huge downgrade from Taron Johnson, obviously, but you're not going to leave Taron Johnson out there because, you know, if, if you're having 185 to 190-pound Taron Johnson going up against 350-pound Michael Unwenu or, or the fullback, it's a mismatch. So Dodson, who is basically a special teams player, that's he was he was a bit overmatched in that one. So the differences in this game, the first was that AJ Klein was available, and that was that was relatively big. So anytime that they went to six offensive linemen, their first move was to bring on AJ Klein for Taron Johnson, which is a pretty generic one whenever a team goes heavy. But what the Bills did. Besides that, they had a whole personnel package for the six offensive linemen. What they did was every single time, almost every single time, it was like 14 out of 16 or 17 times, they brought on Saran Neal for Dane Jackson and replaced him there. Saran Neal would line up on the heavy side of the formation. And Saran Neal is six foot six foot tall, about 205, 210 pounds. So he's got a lot of meat to him as opposed to Dane Jackson, who's like five foot nine, five foot 10 and 180. And so you, you have another 20, 25 pounds to deal with the strength. And he, and Sarandion plays a lot of special teams and stopping the run is one of his big things. So that's one piece of it. And then the other part that they did on, I believe 11 snaps, they brought on FA Obata to play on the strong side of where the six offensive lineman is because one of the big issues that the Bills had against the Patriots with all of the the rushes out wide was because the defensive end wasn't uh, upholding his responsibilities and and keeping his his spot to where it opened up cutback opportunities and that's why they got popped for a big 
big game. That happened to AJ Epinesa. I think it happened to Addison as well. So they subbed in Obata with that specific thing in his brain. In his brain, like this is my job responsibility. It was reminiscent to me of how the Bills devised a game plan for Lamar Jackson, and it's it's a bit different because um, obviously different style offenses, everything like that. But the way that they had this very specific personnel grouping that they subbed in almost every single time that they brought in those three guys for the Patriots was just a, a brilliant spot of coaching by Sean McDermott and Le- Leslie Frazier. You know, it didn't stop them completely, but it held them to, I think, 3.7 yards per carry on six offensive line stuff. So it, it was a job well done, and now and now the Bills have solved that part of their defensive woes. You know, they, they the Patriots, I think, got – one game that went for 30 yards, but they avoided the big play, and that's what it really comes down to. And then they forced Mac Jones to be a rookie QB, and rookie QB he did. Yeah, Damian, yeah, Damian Harris had the 31-yarder. So, you know, he still was an effective running back, but it was clearly a better effort than they had earlier in the year. And what's ultimately the most promising about everything that you just said was when we were talking about all of the teams that the Patriots are kind of clustered in with when we're talking about the other teams in the AFC, a lot of these teams have running backs that you know are effective and they have offensive lines that do a good job blocking their running backs. So that is going to be something the Bills deal with a lot, especially based off of the lack of success they've had this year. You know, like if the Bills ultimately play the Colts again, that would be a matchup that a lot of Bills fans would be weary of, and understandably so. And you could bet the Colts would try and run early and often and see if they could crack the Bills defense like they did the last time they played. So, you know, making sure that they can do more with what they have is ultimately a really good sign. And it's at least, you know, I don't want to say that it's good that they're self-aware because this is their job and this is what they do for a living. And I have no doubts that they are you know, kicking themselves over the mistakes that they've made with scheming different things up and trying to figure out every possible solution. So none of that comes as a surprise to me, but it's good to know that, you know, they're making these changes and it was effective today to an extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, yeah, they, they deserve a lot of credit for it. Um, and, you know, F.A. Obata, to me, was the under-the-radar guy that was one of the most important pieces to their game plan today because not only did he do what I was talking about, they subbed him in to be that uh, that defensive end against the six offensive line look, but he also shifted inside to be um, their, their three-technique defensive tackle pass rusher on obvious passing downs so he wound up playing I think like 34 snaps and it was kind of split between defensive end and defensive tackle so Obata we're seeing his role kind of evolve based on how he played against Carolina and the types of the types of game plans you can use him in and because Greg Rousseau Boogie Basham and AJ Epinesa even though Epinesa didn't play play in this game they haven't really found that consistent force as pass rushers, and Obata is a more accomplished pass rusher at this point. So, you know, you need to you need to go with what's working. And right now, FA Obata's working, and they gave him a ton of time on the field. And so he he you know he had that roughing the passer call, which is what a lot of people are going to remember. But his game was quite effective uh, outside of that one play. Which, by the way, he still got pressure 
Um, he he was he is turning into one of their more important defensive line. Not like super more important than Ed Oliver or Harrison Phillips or Jerry Hughes or or that stuff. But like he's 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 going up the the, the rankings here, and it, it's certainly. With when they are faced with decisions about whether or not to dress F.A. Obata or A.J. Epinesa slash Boogie Basham, I think right now the answer is pretty easy between between those three because Obata is playing the best of the bunch. And I think, like you talked about with Harrison Phillips, Obata might be playing himself into a new contract next year. Because yeah, maybe he has been effective. I mean, it I doesn't have to be a ma- it doesn't have to be a massive contract. I mean, he signed for like a one point five million dollar cap hit or something this past year, but. If they like the versatility that he brings, which it seems like they do, and they like the depth that he provides, and clearly he seems like a fit in that locker room, these are the type of guys that they would mm-hmm. want to keep around. Like, you know, regardless, we don't know how the season is going to end, but there's going to be changes this offseason. Now, that doesn't mean that they're going to completely clean house, but it does mean that, you know, there's going to be some new faces, but it feels like Harrison Phillips and F.A. Obata have, you know, done stuff these last couple weeks to stick around for at least a couple more seasons yeah i don't know i don't know if obata will i mean he get he might get signed to a bigger deal elsewhere yeah he's he's definitely playing his way into a a nice little nice little spot in free agency like yeah like i said not not like a like an aggressive offer or anything like that but you know he he might find a fruitful offer somewhere that outside of buffalo so we'll see but they have him for now when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, let's get to awards um, because there are not really too many negative awards to hand out um, because you know they, they did a pretty good job in this one. So yeah, uh, we'll start we'll we'll start with that and go with the the Dre Archer Award for the player that didn't show up at all today. Map of I I already know where this is going, so why don't you just take the ball, put it on the tee, and knock it out of the park? I don't want to do it. I feel just, like it's too obvious. Just do it. Okay. It's Matt Hawk. Yeah, of course it is. Good for him. I mean, I saw a great tweet. I don't know who said it, but um, kudos to whoever it was. And they were like, honestly, the Bills owe Matt Hawk an apology because he could have totally just stayed home and enjoyed the holiday weekend with his friends and family. But instead, he had to make the trip to Foxborough. And yeah, that's essentially what he did. He just kind of hung out. I was also, see, it's funny. This was the low-hanging fruit, but I also thought about taking him for the Gotta Watch the Tape Award because I would love to know what he did all day. I mean, he, like, he, he, he held the... Did, did he have a snack? 
Like, I understand <laughs> he was holding the ball for Tyler Bass. Like, uh-huh. did he listen to an audiobook? Was he making some phone calls? Was he on Amazon? I don't know what he was doing. But, hey, good for him. He had, if nothing else, he had the best seat in the house for the game. You know, talk about got a free flight there, got a post-game meal, I'm sure, some snacks on the plane. Like, not ba- not a bad day's work for him. Yeah, certainly not. He, uh, it's it's the clear answer. I, there's, not, <laughs> so there's, there's not there's not really anyone else. I mean, yeah, maybe Isaiah Hodgins, but like, even he got a couple of snaps. So yeah, Matt Hawk it is. All right, the Vontae Davis Award for the player that didn't show up in the second half. I am going to go with, and I'm saying this reluctantly because I don't exactly remember when he was utilized but it's not like Zach Moss got a ton of work in this game but I don't remember really him making any impact in the second half am I right about that he was on the field for half of his snaps in the second half okay so it was about 50 50 so it's not like it was staggering I'm still gonna go with him just because you know (laughs) he was active to try and make you know a rebound. You know, we were talking about how the Patriots did have. There were some success with the Colts running up the middle against the Patriots, and that's why you have Zach Moss. You know, they, also a good pass every, blocker. Yeah, they did. They did yeah. everything so well today. Like this is being nitpicky, but yeah, Zach Moss because there really, to me, isn't a ton of other options. Yeah, unless you've got somebody good. I don't. I mean, Reed Ferguson. I don't freaking know. <laughs> I mean, there's really nothing like yeah, single. T- yes, yeah, yeah. I don't want to just keep, like keep listing players, but yep. No, it's uh. You that... could you you could go Kumaro because Kumaro, I believe the overthrow slash drop was in the second half, right? It was. Yes, it was. I think um, it was in the third quarter, and like yes, jot that was a little bit of an overthrow, but that's also a catch that most nfl receivers are making yeah yeah he he should have had that there are there are a few of those in this one where it's like yeah probably should have resulted in points but it but it didn't um yeah so yeah he's he's a candidate but he played on 14 snaps which was one of his the highest of his season so good for jake kumro good for jake kumro all right let's go with the uh matt barkley award for the player that caught you by surprise Go ahead, Bobby. So I I feel like there's the really obvious answer, but I'm going to steer away from that just because mm-hmm. we're going to mention him in a little bit. I am going to go. Does this have to be positive? No. Can they catch you by surprise negatively? No. Yes. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. It That is in a positive way because Matt Barkley caught yeah, okay. everybody by surprise in New York by coming out firing with a with a bomb to Robert Foster down the sideline. Okay, yes. So that, does, <laughs> that, that does change things. I am going to go with somebody who I've probably mentioned a couple times in this role, for this award. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Devin Singletary, mm-hmm. and it feels like Devin Singletary has kind of carved out his role as the Bills running, like the Bills guy when it comes to their running backs, just based off of his production the last couple weeks. It's not like he is doing anything that's earth-shattering, 
but he has been effective. And for me, he really did set the tone early in the game. I think it was on like their second offensive play when he dragged all of those guys like four or five yards to ultimately get that first down. So it's going to be Devin Singletary for me because even though he has started to carve out a little bit of a role, it is still surprising to see some of the nice plays that he's made because he hasn't done that consistently, at least this season. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh he's he's a good one for that. I'm going to go with Ryan Bates stepping in to a start for the first time this season. Um, still need to see exactly what it looked like for him, but you know, allowed only two pressures on 49 pass blocking snaps. So that's pretty darn good uh, for his first start against a pretty good defensive line and having to play two different positions along the way. It was a... I'm sorry, it was only one pressure allowed in 49 pass blocking snap. They just wow. updated, the, updated the snaps. Um, so he, uh, yeah, it's a pressure allowed percentage of 2%, according to Pro Football Focus. So, yeah, I'll go with Ryan Bates for that one. Um, that's, a very, feel, that's a very good choice. feel pretty good about that one. Uh, let's see what else is there. The gotta watch the tape award. Map of A. Huh. <laughs> this is enough. It's it's tricky with these games that are so one-sided. One-sided's the wrong word. Yeah, I don't think it, it one-sided, was one-sided. What it's not it was not a one-sided game, but it doesn't feel like anybody on the Bills like particularly had a bad day. Like, there's nobody I can think of where I'm like, "Wow, they struggled." I got to watch the tape to see why they struggled. You know who I got to watch the tape on hmm. with this particular game? Are you going to say Matthews? Matt Hawk again? No, I'm going to say Matthew Judon mm. because I understand the type of player that he is and the type of season that he's having, but it did not feel like he was making that significant of an impact in this game. And I think that if you asked Bills fans before this game, which players are you most concerned about, Matthew Judon would have been pretty high on the list. So I'm going to go with him just because it didn't feel like he did that much. Uh, I mean... He had a tackle. He had a tackle and two assists for three combined. No sacks. I don't really remember any pressures. He probably had like a pressure or two, but he did not, you know, wreck the game by any stretch. I'm going to go with Emmanuel Sanders. Gotta watch the tape on him because outside of that uh, catch on third and ten, ooh, real. Uh, Real tough one for Emmanuel Sanders in a in a spot where you know, they they uh, they needed some production from the receiver position. They ended up getting it from Isaiah McKenzie, which opened things up a bit for Stefan Diggs, um, and Diggs opened things up for himself <laughs> at times. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go with Emmanuel Sanders to see you know before you know Sanders has one more game to show that he should be getting the lion's share of the reps at at that starting spot before Gabriel Davis comes back and at that point um you know we'll we'll have a pretty good gauge I you know I I know where where my mind is for that but uh, I think I think the Bills will enjoy having the evidence moving forward so I gotta watch the tape on Emmanuel Sanders see uh what good things what other good things he did beside just that um third down catch and finally the Blaine Gabbert Matthew Fairburn award for perseverance which by the way Matthew Fairburn was in the same press box as us this evening Always a wonderful time with Matthew Fairburn. So who do you have for the Blaine Gabbert Matthew Fairburn Award for Perseverance? 
Did it the last time we did this, you gave it to Matthew Fairbrook? I sure did. Yeah. Uh, it's another really low-hanging fruit, obvious one, but it's Isaiah McKenzie. I mean, mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago, the guy wasn't even in the lineup. And today, he was, you know, had maybe one of the most impactful games from a Bills wide receiver this season. He did so many good things on the offense. 12 targets, 11 catches, 125 yards, a touchdown. He had a long of a 28-yard catch, and the numbers don't tell the entire story because he was also utilized in several crucial moments when they needed a play, and they were looking for him. They were looking for his mismatch, and he was able to step up with several contested catches. And on the one target that wasn't a reception, he almost brought in which would have been a really tough over-the-shoulder catch. So it's Isaiah McKenzie, and he should have a bigger role in this offense moving forward because of the type of production we saw today. Yeah, that, that is completely fair. I'm going to go giving my Blaine Gabbert Matthew Fairburn Award for Perseverance to Sean McDermott. Do you know why? Because they were more aggressive and they actually went for it on the fourth see, downs when they should go for it. See, that's what you think I would say. But I'm giving him the Blaine Gabbert Matthew Fairburn Award for Perseverance for after the fact when being asked about all of these different things with uh, going forward on fourth downs, I think the one thing I asked him was, was there some sort of catalyst to you being a bit more uh, a bit more apt to go for it on fourth down, two-point conversions, everything like that? And McDermott persevered, stuck with it, and said, nope, I felt like it was the best thing to do. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, really, really cool. Like, fans are so excited about them going for it on fourth down the way that they did and following the numbers uh, the way that they should have been all year and the way that they did a lot of 2020. And he had this glorious opportunity to say, you know, when when really taking taking a look at, at how this this whole thing is going, we felt like we had some opportunities um, and want, want to try some things out, uh, that sort of thing. But, nope, went for it from a feel perspective. I mean, he... Come on. Like, like there was clearly a different approach in this game. And I get it. He doesn't want to give, give stuff away. And so that's why I'm, you know, tongue-in-cheek giving him the Blaine Gabbert Matthew Fairman Award for Perseverance. But, like, there was a clear difference. Like, fourth and one, fourth and three, fourth and seven, fourth and two. Yeah. Go for going for it a two point conversion when you're up twenty six fourteen to try and force a, a two touchdown slash two extra point lead. Like these are things that you're just you're trusting it a bit more. And you know, part of it has to do with trust in offense and trust the way that the defense is playing, but still you follow the numbers. Fortune favors the bold. We've said it all the time. And they were bold today, to their credit. And a lot of people were giving him credit, and I'm giving him credit for it. But like, you know, I think I think some people would, would like to know like thought process and okay why why did you kind of get to this spot as opposed to what it was and that's part of the reason why people started to love Ron Rivera so much after he didn't go for it on fourth down as much as he did and then kind of you know it, it it really just clicked for him and that's when he became Riverboat Ron and I jokingly yep. tweeted today Riverboat Sean which. I thought personally was hilarious because he he was the defensive coordinator for Ron Rivera for all those years. But like perfect opportunity, you know, talk about exactly what you were seeing, why you did did certain things, and went with feel. So you know, 
like I said, I don't want to criticize them too much because they, they did a great job today. And, you know, going forward on fourth down, the amount of times that they did, there were three of four on fourth down. Uh, should have probably should have been fourth, uh, four for four if Emmanuel Sanders catches that pass. But, like, yeah, they, they did a great job from that perspective. They And aggressive is the wrong word. They were just smart. And they were smart in taking uh, taking those opportunities and trusting their offense to get them a few yards as opposed to all of these other circumstances, which involves with punting and field goals and everything like that. So good job by Sean. But, yeah, Blaine Gabbert, Matthew Fairburn Award for Perseverance. Perfect. Love it. <laughs> all right. So we are over the hour mark, which means it is time for us to bid adieu. And Matt Beauvais, I feel like we should get like a slight Blaine Gabbert, Matthew Fairburn Award for Perseverance because we are finishing a podcast before midnight on the road. Look at us go, baby. Look I, at us go. And you know what, Joe? Yeah. Not to be lost in any of this is that with the Bills win today, this was the last regular season road trip of the season, which mm-hmm. uh, is joyous. Love traveling. Love hanging out with all of my friends on the beat like you. But I do miss my bed, and I do, you know, I, I'm looking forward to the next two weeks of doing this either next to each other in the press box or whatever we do. And if they win the division, that means a home playoff game. Mm-hmm. So that's also really exciting. So, yes, <laughs> congratulate. From a work congrat- perspective. From a hundred percent from a work perspective. From a work-life perspective. Well, like, okay, it's a little after 11 o'clock right now. I think I woke up this morning at, well, I know I woke up at 6 a.m. So, like, you know, it's it's been a day. That's okay. Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. this is why we love it. It's fun. But we do not have those crazy 18, 19-hour days when they play in Orchard Park because we can just hop in our car and drive, which is so nice. Yeah, I basically live around the corner from it, so it's pretty great. Um, can I also can I also give one other shout out? Always. I don't know the chef, but kudos to the chef <laughs> at the Gillette Stadium press box for what I would say has been the best cookie of the year so far. Wow. Now I noticed that you had one sitting next to your seat in the press box even after the game. It looked like an oatmeal raisin that you had. I could have been wrong. It could have been a chocolate chip. Did you have the cookie? And did you think as highly of it as I did? Uh, I thought it, I thought it was a good cookie. Yeah, I thought it, I thought it was good. I I you're you're not gonna pin me down to to you know rank cookies <laughs> here. It's I, I'm I'm so, sitting here focused on FA Obata coming in against six offensive linemen. You're asking me for a cookie take. You know, it's it's the holiday it's the, it's the holiday season, and I I truly do love spending time with family. But one cookie thing that has always been interesting to me is that you know I come from a big Italian family, and all of the Italian cookies feel like sometimes they're trying a little bit too hard. Like I would just love to mix in a chocolate chip, and that's what I got today. It was such a pleasant surprise based off of the last couple days of the holiday. Like you know. These, uh, these Italian cookies that are so fancy and that take so long to make. Like, give me a chocolate chip cookie over a cucciatati any day. I don't know if you know. If <laughs> there's going to be people out there listening who are going to be like, what the hell is he talking about? I'm sorry, but it's just, I just my opinion. I, I just went to the place. What was that? I just went to the place. That's a, that's a, that's a term 
my wife and I use when when you're like the the other one is saying like trying to explain something and you're just going into a complete zone in the distance. <laughs> like I just went to the place. Um, yeah. So that uh, I have no idea what you're talking. I have unfortunately, no idea talking. I. Unfortunately, I go to the place a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and kind of a segue from whatever the hell you just said, uh, Marquez Stevenson with the Sesame Street slash Cookie Monster was, coat on the way in. So that was that was a full, move. Full circle on this one. It, it was a yeah. it was a damn good move. What a yes, it was. what a what a friggin' coat that was. Okay, I think we've we've reached our end. <laughs> So uh, the Bills winning this one by a score of 33 to 21. So ends the regular season road schedule. And the next time you will hear from Matt Bovey and I will be after the game once uh, once the Bills-Falcons game goes final, which is a 1 o'clock game. And uh, you'll also get a preview podcast from me um, in the week leading up to the game. So Matt Bovey, before we bid everyone adieu, uh, any cookie or non-cookie related fond words of farewell for our listeners no hope you all had a great holiday and uh happy new year and we will talk to you again next week next <laughs> no. year next year we will talk oh, to you next year you will talk to them next year i gotta talk to them one more time this year but <laughs> my my favorite thing my favorite bit that you do is hey any fond words of farewell no i don't but here here's a fond <laughs> <word of farewell. laughs> Yeah, it's like, uh, it's basically every, I, I've been this way my entire life. There's nothing I can really do to change that. But <laughs> Dude, I, yes. I, I, I hear you. There's a lot of things that are not changing about me either. So uh, I, I feel you there. All right, Matt the Bovey. One that, the, there's one other one, just real quick. The one other one that gets brought up all the time, especially with my wife, is when I'm trying to like zone somebody out and they say something to me, I'll say what and then I'll respond. So I don't need to say what. So like you'll sit there and ask me a question. And I'll be like, what? And then I'll just start answering it. I don't know why I do it. I just do it. <laughs> I've never noticed that about you. I, I've, I've, I know a lot about Matt Bovey after working with him for, for plenty of years, but uh, I, I, that's not one that, that I know. Um, so I will be on the lookout for the next time. There you go. Now you know. All right. So that's going to do it for us. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Buffalo Beat. If you haven't yet, head over to uh, theathletic.com slash thebuffalobeat. Get yourself a discount on your yearly subscription. Again, that's The Athletic com slash the buffalo beat so for matt bovey my name is joe Pascalia. thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the buffalo beat and we will talk to you later in the week see you then